So here's the deal. You get lots of passion, you get lots of excitement, you get lots of uh, opinions, the greatest of all time, but it's really comes down to perspective with most things, except for the basketball goat. That'll be decided objectively. Uh, but a lot of things, they come down like that. They have different opinions. Uh, the text that we're going to talk tonight might just be, uh, it would at least be in the running for the goat verse. John 3.16 uh, might just be, it's at least in the running, right? Can we, can we agree with that? It's like a top five probably. If you got the whole Bible, it's a pretty big book. John 3.16 might be one of those verses uh, that carries the status of greatest of all time uh, for a few different reasons. And we're going to be looking at that tonight. Uh, that's going to be our home text. We'll spend just a few minutes there. As we talk tonight, we're talking about the theme of love. We've done hope. We've done joy. We've done peace. And tonight we're going to talk about love. And as I do it, though, I need us to be on the same page what we're talking about. Uh, think less warm, fuzzy feelings. So less Hallmark um, Channel movie where the girl or the guy goes back to their hometown and meets that friend from high school who hasn't aged a bit and somehow didn't make it out of the small town. Uh, less of the warm, fuzzy feelings on the Hallmark Channel. And we're going to go a little bit deeper with that. Think covenant, continually keeping covenantal commitments, like deep action-based love. Uh, sometimes we can get it very twisted that, that that dopamine rush that we feel in our mind when we have someone or something that we really like, in our culture, that's gotten the tag uh, love, right? That gets branded as love, that dopamine rush, that way I feel. But when your Bible speaks of love, it's not usually referring to an emotion, but a, a covenant faithfulness that God has, that God does what he said he would do, and in that he demonstrates his love. A first John would say that God is love. God is definitely not just a dopamine rush or warm, fuzzy feelings, but he is absolutely faithful to keep his covenant. And so when we hear love, when we talk about love, we're just going to look at this verse and a few things out of it. Uh, do your best to think about it in this way, a God who keeps his promises. In a, in a marriage, a loving marriage is one where people keep their promises. Uh, when we say we love our kids, uh, that's demonstrated by the way we act. Uh, even Jesus would say, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments in John 15. It's this idea that action, the, the verb sense goes with it. And when it comes to God, all those things that Owen read remind us that his love, his steadfast love endures forever. So John 3.16, if you don't know it, the verse goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have ever, everlasting or eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, when it comes to the GOAT conversation in sports, you normally line up people's stats. You normally look at shots made, shots missed. You look at uh, different characteristics of it. When people are arguing movies, they're arguing plot lines, they're arguing cinematography, they're saying, uh, this movie is greatest because I really like Will Ferrell dressed in tights for an entire movie. Uh, you're arguing, that's the guy that plays Elf. Uh, that is a, you're arguing that I really think Kevin McAllister did not grow up to be a serial killer but he really totally enjoyed messing people up for about 45 minutes of that movie. So I'm going to say the jury's still out on that one. 
But we're arguing different points of it. When it comes to this text, it has absolutely, I mean, just walk through it for a second. Uh, For God, God is in the story. He's the main character of the story. He is the one that it anchors on. And so triune God, so loved, love is the center of this story. And that's one of the most powerful storylines ever. The world, the cosmos, the entire created order that he gave. So there's sacrifice, his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, so faith is an agent in this small little verse, shall not perish but have eternal life. And if that's not enough, what's at stake through these verses is our eternal state. Like, are we experiencing robust and flourishing life now into the future or do we experience death? That verse has it all packed into one little piece. And so what we're going to do tonight is just take a few looks at different dimensions of love out of that. Uh, The first that I want us to look at, and you're going to turn to a few people around you and answer from your knowledge of the Bible. But the first dimension of this love is that it's story formed. God's love is story formed. What do I mean by that? This verse starts off with the word for, and it's built into a story where Jesus is talking to this religious leader named Nicodemus who's come to him in the night to figure out, hey man, are you really this Messiah? What does it look like to live in your kingdom? And he'd come at night because he didn't want to be seen with him in the daytime, so he came in to talk to him, and they're having this conversation, and Jesus is answering his question. As we look at this one verse, it doesn't just stand alone. But he's building this story with a few characters that you might need to know. And so rather than us read our entire Bible up to this point to figure out what Jesus is talking about, what I'm going to have us do is turn back to those same groups that you're arguing the greatest Christmas movie of all time with and just answer from your knowledge of the Bible, from creation to this point with Jesus, right at the beginning of his ministry, what are some of the things that God has done that shows that he loves his creation, so th- or his people, or the world, or humans. So you're going to think back in your mind, what are the different parts of the story of God, from creation all the way to this point in Jesus' life, some of the activities, the things that God has done, that you'd be like, man, I look at that, and I see that he loves his creation, his people, his world. So there is a lot of text to choose from. You're not going to hit them all, but I would encourage you, jot some down. And we're going to have a chance to come to this together to look at uh, God's loving action and the story that brings us to the place that we're at here with Jesus in this text, because it doesn't just stand alone. So I'm going to give us like five minutes to do that. Uh, Turn to the few people around you. Uh, Kids, I expect you have many answers for this one as you did for Christmas movies. We're good? Awesome. Love it. All right, so go ahead, turn to a few people around you, answer the question, and we'll come back in just a moment. Uh, Where in the story do you see God keeping his covenant commitments or demonstrating that he loves his creation? Ready? Yeah. Now that you guys have exhausted the whole testament, I'm really proud of you. Well done. Um, Josh is going to go around. I'm going to jot some of these down as he walks around and just listing off some of them. And here's what I would love for you to do. You can, uh, so you can say this story, but if you just say Abraham, say what about Abraham reminds you about that or what story you're referring to because not all of us know all the same stories we're talking about. So just to drop a name won't be the most helpful. Uh, but using this as a moment and then for the rest of us as we listen in, uh, allow this to be 
uh, a sort of anchor for your mind to remember because as we come through the different uh, surges of cultural currents that bang up against us, that wash up against us, to remember that these are the stories that don't just make up the story of the Bible, but they're the story that we find ourselves in. Uh, that as we participate in God's story, these same sort of things are happening in our lives. And so allow your mind to go back. The story of Abraham in some way is part of your story because you're a child of God. The story of David, the story of Adam, the story of whoever might come up. Remembering that each of these activities and actions are part of our story and are anchors for us to remember, oh yeah, God does love us. Look at how he demonstrated that at this spot. So uh, if a few of you, everybody doesn't have to, but if a few of you want to throw your hand up and maybe share some of the stories that came to mind when you considered uh, where is God keeping his promises to his people, Josh would love to give you a mic so that the rest of the class can hear your lovely voice. It's actually for people that listen to it later that are serving with kids because they can't hear you. But God. Just shout if you have to. Uh, I was thinking about just right at the beginning with uh, Adam and Eve when they realized they were naked, that God provided clothing for them to cover their shame. Yeah. I don't know. It's not working. Oh, it is kind of working. Um, one thing that I think God showed love is, is when he washed the blind man's eyes with mud. And then what happened after he did that? They were not blind anymore. So cool. Um, I think when it is God died on the cross. Yeah. Fully agree. We'll allow you to jump ahead in the story because you're so amazing. Um, when uh, Simeon got, was promised, God promised to, to Simeon that he would see Christ. And right before he died, he brought Christ, Jesus as a baby in and he got to hold him. Hmm. Um, lots of times in the Bible we're referred to as the bride of Christ, and there's a covenantal commitment between the groom, which is Christ, and the church. So we get to look forward to him. Keep- Testing. It's on. Yeah. Um, when, uh, when the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt, or they were enslaved, and they cried out to God, and he heard their cries and um, rescued them. Oh. 
when Solomon um, sees God in the dream and he asks, God asks him what he wants and he asks for wisdom and then God gives him wisdom. My group had a lot of good ones, but none of them wanted to take the mic. So um, they shared about uh, one covenantal commitment he's made to us is that he's coming back. And I thought that was a good one. Um, Also, that he cut a covenant with Abram to basically like saying that he would fulfill both sides of the promise and that even if Abram didn't keep his promise, God would keep his promise to Abram's descendants to be their God. Um, and to continue to take care of his descendants. And we talked about the rainbow uh, with God's promise to Noah that he would never flood the earth again. And what did you say? Oh, and the the promise of the Holy Spirit um, to the disciples after Jesus returned to heaven. It's a simple, short exercise, uh, but what my, I, I genuinely hope that uh, as you sit and even stare into those stories, that you remember that all along for the history of the world, God has been keeping his word. Now, there's times when that, that takes longer than others, right? That Israel rescued from captivity, they were in captivity for 400 years crying, and then when they cried out, God rescued them. Like 400 years is a long time. Before Jesus came and ever spit in the ground and wiped that on that blind man's eyes there had been 400 years where God was silent and Israel was waiting for God to return to come to speak to come and bring rescue and redemption Uh, there's sometimes there's time that there is in waiting but as we do that the hope is as we look at the story of God we're reminded there's never there's never a time when God does not love his creation there is never a time when God is not love There is never a time when that love is not pursuing his people. And for us, as we sit on this side, a reminder with each of these different things is to remember when we experience the love of God in our story, that our stories then become shaped by that same sort of love. And when we say, what kind of God is God? And we watch as he's faithful, he keeps his word, he shows up continually, he pursues to remember that that same love, when we experience that as his followers, it's meant to shape the stories of our lives as well. Uh, we saw all through Ephesians that the love of God, though incomprehensible in some ways, is meant to be the model for the way that we live with one another. And so as we look back over the course even of the last week or weeks or year, I wonder if our lives are becoming more and more loving as we experience that love that God has for his creation. 
uh, to remember that God's love is not just for an abstract group of individuals, but it's for the entire world, and it's for a community that comes together in him, and yes, even individuals who make that up. But it's story form. Uh, the next thing to look at is that it's sacrificial. Uh, for God so loved the world, this, this cosmos, these things he created that had been polluted by sin, that he sent his son. And just like we were reminded that God came and wrapped himself in flesh, as Eugene Peterson said, he moved into the neighborhood and took up his residence among us. Uh, Jesus lived, he breathed, he walked, he performed miracles and healings. He announced good news, the kingdom of God is here. And so God sent him with that message, he announced it. And does everybody give him high fives until one day he walks off into the night? No. The Roman and the religious come together and they murder him for that. In that moment, God takes on himself the weight of our sin, the sin of all of us who rebel against him. And in following the model that had been all in the Old Testament, an innocent one was sacrificed for the sin or the life of those who were not innocent. And so a reminder that even in the very heart of this God love for us is sacrifice. And so it shouldn't be a shock to us that when we follow in the way of Jesus, living in love of God and love of neighbor, that that's going to cost us something as well. But it's only as we receive the sacrificial of love of Jesus for us that we're able to continue on in that path of sacrificially loving others. And so I love hearing stories as people have uh, experienced the love of God. And then even within this community, uh, people have given up vacation funds so that other people could have needs met. And that sort of love might be like, wow, that's something people really do. But genuinely, people giving up things that they could have for the sake of allowing others to have something. To watch as people give of their time, their energy, countless nights around their table. Uh, sacrificing not, not out of duty or obligation, but because they've experienced this freeing, sacrificial love of Jesus for them. And as we experience that, it's meant to cause us to gratefully and gladly even enter into a way of sacrificial love for others. We don't have to bear the weight of anyone's sin. Uh, that's not our job. We don't go to the cross. Jesus already did that. But as we receive that love of his, it's going to cost us something as we go out. But it's modeling that same God love. The next thing, and these all have S's because you, you guys hate that alliteration, so I'm going to keep doing it as many weeks in a row as I can. Which works, because I was talking to somebody, and I said, hey, last week, do you, I was going through, and I was like, do you remember when we were talking about the different things? Uh, last week, we were talking about joy and joy killers, and I was like, and I went through a few different things that uh, would stop our joy, like complaining or consumerism, and they filled in the other ones for me, and I was like, man, that, that memory technique just, like, it sticks, so we're going to go ahead and have to go with that from now on. Um, and so it is a story form love. It is a sacrificial love. But I don't want us to miss this or just take this for granted. It's a saving love. Uh, the love of God is a saving love. It takes things that was lost and brings them home. It takes things that were dead and brings them to life. It takes us when we were not a people and forms us into a people. It is a life that rescues from death and brings to life. 
That end of that verse, we get so used to hearing it, but John says that it is in that whoever believes this isn't going to perish, but will have eternal life. Uh, Find that eternal life wasn't just life out in the sky one day, far, far away, like you go to heaven when you die. That's not what he's talking about. When John speaks of eternal life, he's talking about full and flourishing life now that continues on into the future. He says, if we believe this, then we don't have to face destruction or perish, but we enter into full flourishing life right now. I remember this dude named Nicodemus was coming to him and saying, all right, so tell me more about this kingdom. I don't get it. What does it mean to be a part of the world that you're saying God came to remake? Like, I I know my Jewish stories, but I don't fully get this. And so when Jesus is talking to him, he's reminding him that the way of God was always meant to be a way that leads to life. That sin's what causes death and decay and destruction and the breakdown of relationships and the breakdown of an environment or the breakdown of creation. But it's God's redeeming and rescuing and saving love that brings wholeness and healing and hope. And so when we come back to at Christmas time, remembering that this message of the good news of Jesus is a message of love, remember that it is a love that can rescue. It's a love that does save. It takes things that seem like they are beyond hope and brings them back to life. We see that explicitly at the cross and in the resurrection. Uh, But I bet if we even took a moment just to reflect on our own lives, we've watched him do the same for us. Whether it was from an addiction into a whole life again of healing, uh, whether it was a relationship that seemed like it was absolutely without hope, that had it was saved and rescued. When we look at our own lives and the enslavement that we had to the principalities, the powers and sin and remembering I've been rescued and set free, that the pieces of a full and flourishing life that we have now are because God has rescued us. To remember the work of Jesus is a saving work is no small thing. And that's straight at the heart of love. And then the the last S that I'm gonna have for tonight, to remember that the love of God is ascending love. It's not just a staying love. Yes, God stays faithful. But at the heart of the love of God, when it says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have eternal life. At the very heart of the gospel is a reminder that God is ascending God who saw the condition of humanity. He saw the condition of creation. He saw the condition because of sin. And what he does isn't stand far off and say, man, they really messed that up. Man, Josh, you really messed your life up. That's a bummer. Man, human beings really jacked with this planet. That's a real bummer. Man, human beings can't seem to get along between ethnicities or people groups or races. Uh, Man, people can't seem to get along. They always want to oppress one another. Man, human hearts are really fractured and they're full of shame and hopelessness and guilt. Man, that's a big bummer. And then just sit back and watch and see how it unfolds. What we're reminded of, even in this verse, but all through the pages of Scripture, that when God sees that, he sends Jesus to be a rescuer 
and a redeemer and to be the Messiah, the one who would make it right. And this is one of those things that we can get so used to hearing that we forget that it's the very heartbeat of God. And now when it comes to when there's brokenness in our schools or in our families or in our neighborhoods or in our cities, when we look out and recognize there's still pockets of these places that are experiencing the devastating effects of sin. That we don't sit back then and respond to God's love that was sent to us in Jesus, that rescued us, redeemed us, made us new. But to remember that, that the reason that we're in those places is that God has sent us to be his presence, his body, right now. And so a reminder that as you see the brokenness in your neighborhood, uh, part of the reason that your eyes are open to see and your heart is full of love is that you're there for those people. That as you recognize the different pockets around the city or your neighborhood, the schools, uh, in your friend groups or networks you have, even within your family, that, that God has you there full of his presence, have experienced his love, and he sent you into those spaces to bring healing, to bring his healing power, to bring his peace to bring his kingdom. And so ultimately it doesn't fall on our shoulders that we have to do the work, but we are his representatives in that space. And I know it can seem like, yeah, we, we, that's not anything new. Um, the verse isn't a new one. Uh, I'm guessing most of you had heard it before. But I'm gonna give us just two minutes now on our own And, and I want you to think through uh, each of those different dimensions of the love of God. If another one came out to you, feel free to run with that one. The Spirit's allowed to use uh, different letters than S, and he's also allowed to use different truths about himself. Um, and so maybe there's something else that stuck with you, but which of the marks of God's love or the dimensions of God's love from this text seem especially pertinent to you this Advent season? Is it the fact that it is a story form? This is a long history of God's faithful action. And so when you look at your unique circumstance that you're in right now, what the Spirit wants to remind you of is that you have a place in this story, but this story started way before us. And so the messes that we're wrestling with, the feelings we have, the brokenness we're experiencing, the sorrows and the struggle and the question, God, where are you? Are you even here to listen to this voice throughout the ages echoing out yes look how I've been faithful all the way and I'm not stopping with you maybe that's the message that you need to hear this advent the sacrificial nature of God's love a reminder that he died so that we don't have to that we get to experience life and experience it fully because he substituted himself for us or maybe there's a, a sacrifice that you've been feeling Jesus calling you into and you've been hesitant. A way of life, a decision to be made, a change of posture, maybe even of location. And you're like, man, I, I don't want to do that. that. That cost is too high. And maybe what the gentle reminder of God is tonight is to say, I sacrificed for you. And in that full life came, I will not lead you into anything that will not bring life. And so wrapping those sacrifices up uh, to remember the saving power of the love of God. And whether it's a family member that seems too far gone, 
a friend, a situation, a struggle that you even have inside yourself that no one else might even know about, to remember that, that God in his love sent Jesus and there is no enemy he cannot defeat. And so we step into that with faith, crying out to him to practice and be that saving God once again. And remembering that Jesus in his core is a savior. Or the last one even, sending. Uh, John ends up at the very end and it's the verse that you'll pass as you head out. Um, if you've never looked at the back of the signs, of Missio signs, they don't say the same thing as the front of the signs. The front ones say the time. Uh, the back one says, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. Uh, these were Jesus' words in his final commission as he sent out his disciples at the end of the story of John to say, just like the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And maybe it's a reminder that we haven't been called together to exist in comfortable, cozy Christian circles, but we've been called together as a community to be a sign, a witness, a foretaste of the kingdom of God. We have been sent to be people of peace. And so, yes, there are seasons of Sabbath and seasons of rest. But fundamentally, the church is a sent people. And so when you've rested, when you've Sabbathed, to remember that Jesus still in his saving love will send you back out to bear witness to the gospel for other people. So I'm going to give us two minutes and just quietly pray. Ask the Spirit to highlight for you, is there something that he wants to draw your attention to and just let him do that work. As Paul was praying for his friends in Ephesus, after telling them such good news about God's plan of redemption and reconciliation and restoring all things in heaven and earth back together, uh, he wanted them to grasp not only these concepts, but the reality of God's love for them. And so I wanna pray over us the prayer that he prayed for them. Paul said, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Uh, Jesus, we echo those prayers that as we come along side by side, that you would fill us as a community with an awareness of how much you love us. Uh, be, that we would be reminded not just of stories that have happened in the past, but in our stories as you're stirring and working and growing. That we'd remember the rescue that you did, not just of all of creation on the cross, though that is powerful, but we would remember that we have been rescued, that we once were dead, but we've been made alive, that we were lost and we've been found, that we were enslaved and we've been set free. Jesus, remind us of that in the deep places of our hearts. Remind us again of your power and your love that is for us, for this place that we call home, and for your creation. And we ask this in your name, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.